let's begin by broadly talking about what research is. Canada's three federal research agencies defines research as an undertaking intended to extend knowledge through a disciplined inquiry or systematic investigation. Now there are three parts to that definition and I'm going to address each one of these parts because I think in the world of user research, those components are equally relevant and paramount to the success of executing good research. So the first part, the extension of knowledge, which is to say building upon that which you already know. This is important because it implies you need to take an inventory of what you do already know and the things that you don't know or the unknown. So you need to collect up what you believe to be facts, what areas are controversial or still under discussion, what are inherent assumptions, what is not well understood yet, and lastly, what is wide open to discovery. But more importantly, even though it's not explicitly stated in the definition itself, it also means having your current facts and assumptions shifted or challenged. So as a user researcher, you need to have the mindset of having that old knowledge being replaced with new. The second part of that definition, the idea of conducting your research in a systematic way, one with discipline. In the user research world, we say rigor. This means that your approach has credibility. It's how strong your research design is, if you've selected the appropriate method and framework to support your study and to answer your questions. To do this, you're leveraging best practices, adhering to ethical standards, maintaining neutrality, and taking care to execute your research with intent, precision, thoroughness, and accuracy. Now, some may argue that qualitative research is incompatible with rigor due to its exploratory nature and inherent subjectivity. There's plenty of literature that refutes this in great detail, and I mention this so that if you plan on focusing on user research in the future, that you can prepare for the questions that might come up around this. Now moving on to the third part of the definition, that of inquiry or investigation. This is the art of defining your questions, developing your research approach, and then the pursuit of finding and synthesizing answers. One common undercurrent in all three components of the definition of research is that there are a number of questions that you need to identify and ultimately resolve. So you could conclude that research hinges largely on the quality of your questions, because without good questions, you simply won't get good data. Which brings me to the question, how do you ask good questions? The simple answer, probably the answer you don't want to hear, is with lots of practice. You won't start off or begin with asking great questions, but you will get better with time and experience. That said, there are definitely some tactics that can help guide you in crafting better questions. There are three important things to think about as you're doing this. Firstly, the type of question you want to ask. Secondly, how do you design the conversation? And thirdly, how do you ask the question itself? Let's begin with talking about the different kinds of questions you could ask. Essentially, what you want to do is appropriately pair the type of question you're asking with the goal in asking the question. The first thing to consider is if your goal is to confirm that your understanding is correct, or if instead you're looking to uncover something new. Those are two very different things. 
then you also need to consider, is my question specific or broad? If you think of these two things as existing on two different axes, you will see that you have a matrix with four types of questions, clarifying, adjoining, funneling, and elevating. Clarifying questions help you validate your assumptions and enrich your existing understanding. Adjoining questions surface complementary and relevant aspects that also help enrich your broader understanding of the how and the what. Similar to clarifying questions, funneling questions help you dig into deeper details, but rather than focusing on existing knowledge, it's more exploratory in that it traces things back to root causes, much like the five whys technique. Elevating questions are also exploratory, but at a much higher level. It can show you connections between related concepts and issues. These questions can help you reframe and look at the problem in different ways. As you imagine, don't want to just simply jump right into deep questions, especially if you don't have a pre-existing relationship with the person you're talking to. Instead, you should design the conversation. In the user research world, this is called developing a discussion guide. A good conversation, much like a good script or story, should have a nice flow or arc to it. If we continue with that analogy, you'll want to think of that flow as having three acts, a beginning, a middle, and an end. The beginning is where you introduce yourself, the purpose of the conversation, where you reassure your participant that you're looking for all kinds of feedback, including negative, you allow them to raise any questions or concerns, you obtain their consent, and most importantly, you'll ask a few more friendly, low-stakes questions to help build rapport. The middle is where you begin to start going deep. You want to start off slow and build up to a crescendo. You'll probably have a series of interwoven, open-ended questions that build off of one another. There should be good transitions between your questions, and you should have different types of questions, some of which are more direct some of which are more of an invitation to tell stories, and you'll toggle back and forth between them so it doesn't get boring and predictable. Most importantly, you want to give your participant breathing room, which often means allowing a few seconds of silence to fall as they think and reflect to respond to your questions. The end is where you begin to wrap up. You may want to recap and summarize the themes that have come up in your conversation to make sure you've understood everything correctly. You can also use any extra time to get to those less critical questions that you might have tagged and flagged along the way. Now that we've covered different types of questions and the overall structure of asking them, I'm going to talk a bit about how you go about asking good questions. This really comes down to two things, phrasing and delivery. For phrasing, you want to keep it simple and direct. You will want to test your questions out beforehand to make sure people understand what you're asking. You also want to be very careful not to ask people to predict their future behavior or to speculate too much. As much as possible, you want to root your questions in actual behaviors. And you'll want to avoid close-ended questions, which is to say, questions that can simply be answered with a yes or no. You also don't want to ask leading or biased questions, which either indirectly hint at what response you're looking for, or more directly causes your participant to answer in the way that you want them to. So for example, if I were to ask you, do you like my redesign? It's pretty obvious that I want you to like it. And finally, this might sound overly obvious, but you only want to ask one question at a time. You don't want to bombard your participant with too many questions all at once. For delivery, 
This is how you go about asking the question. This is communicated through your tone, body language, where you've chosen to have that question placed in the overall conversation, and how you move between your questions. This is more about style and strategy with which you ask your questions, and this can be a real art. Now let's say that you do have really great questions. Is that a guarantee of gathering good data? Your data is only as good as your collection method. And because so much of user research is qualitative, that is to say subjective and non-numerical, a lot of that data is what users say and do. So the data collected is both verbal and visual in nature, meaning it can be missed if you don't listen, observe, and interpret carefully. So how can you be a good listener? There are two important concepts to know here, that of being present and that of being curious. First and most importantly, being present. You have to be focused and alert, otherwise known as active listening. On the do list for active listening, couple of things. Be present, make eye contact, stay neutral yet supportive in your tone. Adopt a novice mindset and ask relevant follow-up questions to indicate that you're interested and that you're understanding what they're saying. Adopt your participants' terminology and language, but not in a fake way. Acknowledge the gift of what they're sharing with you. Take note of their environment and context. These can be important bits of information. Focus on motivations and behaviors. Listen with your eyes and look for facial expressions or body language or intonations that hint at more information that lurks beneath the surface of their words. And paraphrase what you've heard to ensure that you've heard it correctly. Now for the don't list. Don't interrupt. Don't finish their thoughts for them. Don't hijack the conversation with your own stories. Don't ask leading questions. Don't act like an expert. Don't use language that could be perceived as judgmental. Don't stick to the script. If the conversation goes in an unplanned direction, but it's still helpful, embrace it to the best of your abilities and improv. Which brings me to the second concept, being curious. Don't be satisfied with surface answers. You will need to use those improv skills to gently probe and ask follow-up questions. You can always simply ask them to tell you more or to expand on their response. You can also ask for tangible, real examples. Ask them to tell you stories. Ask them to walk you through a process. Ask them to tell you about a recent experience and what they did. Ask about their feelings. Ask them to make connections between the different points that they've brought up in the conversation. Generally speaking, most people enjoy follow-up questions because it indicates that you're listening, you're curious, and that you care. But if you're not getting much of an uptake to your question and don't want to risk infuriating your participant or frustrating them, you can drop it and then revisit it at a later time and rephrase it in a different way. If you feel a bit embarrassed about having to go back and ask it again, it's completely fine to acknowledge that you are doing that and explain that that question is really critical and important to your research. You might be thinking, wow, asking questions and hearing and listening to those responses to your questions is pretty involved. I know that what I've outlined might seem intimidating, but don't worry too much about rules. 
Like I said, the best way to learn how to gather great data is to just go out and do it. Every conversation is an opportunity to practice your question asking skills and your listening skills. So try out a few of these techniques the next time you're having a dialogue with someone and see what works for you and doesn't.